Welcome back to Sits of Ministravia, the podcast where Jathan is a baby. This is Brent. It's a dragon. And I'm Peyton. Oh my gosh, Jonathan. You can tell I'm, you can tell I really hate that voice because now I'm calling you Jonathan instead of Jathan. <laughs> You're like my parents. <sighs> Before you know it, I'm going to start using your middle name. I don't know. I don't even know your middle name. I'm going to make up a middle name and use it for you. That's how. I bet you could guess what it Schneider. is. Uh, <laughs> Larry. Lawrence, uh, what would be? I thought you at least knew my middle initial, mm -mm. based on the fact that I used the log. Ro oh right, right, right. To Macy for everything. Robert. Yeah. Okay, there you Lawrence go. Leonard. Are you <laughs> Lawrence Leonard. Fat body, Lawrence Leonard. Lawrence mm -hmm. Leonard. That's from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh okay. All right. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Back to I the show. That. Back to the show. Um. So we, we have a fair bit of topics tonight, more than we did last time, actually, which was a good thing, because we were uh, mostly just fooling around last night. It's the beginning of the season, you know, we're, we're keeping it slow, keeping it nice and easy. Um, I have lately been looking through all of our past episodes to try and find quotes, because we've seriously only got one in so far. Um but Jathan can tell you more about that when his segment comes up, as long as he doesn't talk in this crazy, weird uh, baby voice I, I guess he is always using. Is that a new thing? Are you going to be doing that forever now? <laughs> like, is that going to be a uh, thing I have to deal with on a daily basis now? Well, we don't even talk in the flesh. like We haven't talked in the flesh ever. Vocally. Well, no, I mean... <laughs> You don't ever hear my voice, though, in the course of a day. You just have to listen to me type. So if I figure out how to, like, encapsulate it in my typing, maybe, but probably not. Yeah. In, in fact, I don't ever really do that, but since you guys were giving me a hard time, I felt like I had to. <laughs> okay, well, uh, the baby... So really, the... actually, I think I blame Peyton the most. <laughs> why? I, I'm wondering why I'm to blame for this. I mean... He referred to me as Pot. Yeah, as in Pot Meat Kettle. Like pot calling the I don't kettle like black. Like that name. Yeah, I got the reference. You don't like the name pot? No. Well, then don't be a hypocrite. Oh, just call me something different, like hypocrite. You know, no, like, like, like what, Jathan? Kettle? I don't. I'm, <laughs> no, I don't want to be kettle either. Something like a nice piece of cookware, like I don't. I don't know. Stainless steel frying. Pan. I've got a really nice <laughs> pot that would be just perfectly. It's black, and I got a kettle as well that's also black. Hello, pot. Oh my gosh! I can't believe we're sitting here fucking discussing cookware. I, I know, right? <laughs> and it's all Jathan's fault. This Literally, is... it is not my fault. I told you already, Peyton. No, 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 no. We're mo we're moving on. I'm not even going to argue that because it's just so fucking stupid. It's, it's, I just want, I just want to move on. It's dumb. All right, <sighs> let's let's jump right to Peyton for the news because this is fucking hey. stupid. Alright, this is Peyton with the news. First we have the FTC slamming Asus for making very terrible router software and firmware. Looks like the government said, hey, you guys need to stop doing that. They proposed a consent order that will require Asus to establish and maintain a comprehensive security program for audits for the next 20 years. So hopefully that Which... means that they will get their shit together. Well, really, every company should have audits in place, but... Indeed. Whatever. Indeed. Yeah. Sorry. Indeed. Keep going. Next, we have a very law-worthy moment. Linux Mint got compromised by a hacker named Peace. 
He also claimed to have stolen an entire copy of the site's forum, not just once, but twice. One from January 28th and one from February 18th. This information contains some personal identifiable information such as email addresses, birth dates, profile pictures, and possibly scramble passwords. And then of course, we also have the lovely, lovely SSL vulnerability, the drown attack due to SSL version two. And it's able to be exploited because, hey, guess who wanted it? The government. And that's paid with the news. Yeah, that's that was that was due to, to some freaking export law back from oh man, mid nineties I think. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's the nineties. Yeah, it's like twenty years old now. I think you're right. Yeah, and then this is really old news, so it's technically not even news. But in case you didn't know, Microsoft just uh, also open sourced .NET. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's actually released now. But, like, it's .NET. Nobody's going to be using it. <laughs> we we saw that with, like, remember how, um, Jathan, what was C-sharp? Yeah. What was what was the parser uh, for C-sharp on Linux? Mono. mono, yeah. Yeah, remember how Mono took off and then immediately died back down and nobody ever heard from it ever again? I don't think that's true. I think it's true. Uh, I think it's very the, true. Compare the Mono developers. Because, no, no, no um... Gnome do used to be built on Mono, uh-huh. and I don't know what it's called now. What is it do. called? Just do. Do just do. It's. I thought it was something completely. So different. it's owned uh, by Nike. Last. <laughs> uh, that's just do. Just it. do. Um, no, it's. Uh, it was do when I checked. I don't know if they changed the name again. So my guess is that that's still mostly written in. In like C sharp. I thought they rewrote a lot of it, but then, it, but also like keep in mind like who uses it. That's well, you know who got me into C sharp. Yeah, right? Alex, I know, but like nobody uses that. G- Gnome's built-in thing now, the Alt F two. That's not do. That's that's internal to Gnome three. That's something they made. Gnome three, excuse me. Uh, Alt Alt F two. I can't even think of what that does. I've it just opens that. up like a one-time terminal thing. Basically, kind of what do did, only a little bit more simple, I guess. Um, but that's not that like that that was internally developed by the GNOME team. That wasn't incorporated code from GNOME Do. So to my knowledge, Mono isn't really used for any kind of. My point is, it fell to this DevOpsy bullshit, right? Where it was like, oh, shiny! Now we can run Microsoft libraries on Linux, uh, and then nobody used it. So <laughs> I kind of see the same thing happening with .NET. Like nobody cares. Well, it's just like nobody has written anything thus far with it because it didn't exist, really. Well, you can, the point so is like, you can write are... .NET stuff now in Linux, but everything yeah, written sure, in but... .NET sucks. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like If you were going to do that, you'd already be running a Windows server. Right, and .NET sucks. So back to my original point, nobody's going to be using it, so it's pointless to do that. I feel like it's just kind of like a, hey, here you go. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just going to move on because I could just rant about this for a while um yeah i, I could too <laughs> it's if terrible they wanna, yeah if they want to like <clears throat> open source their system libraries that i'd be more impressed with they're not going to do that so whatever well i just i just dealt with an issue with a, a customer of mine a personal customer who her internet explorer wouldn't wouldn't load a, a web page mm. google hotmail etc you know i, I don't want someone who can't even like create their own working software to create Linux software for me, you know, mm. like, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts on it. I, I don't trust Microsoft, you know, 
as far as I can throw them, and they're pretty big, so I can't throw them. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. I sound like right. Jathan now. <laughs> Maybe I should talk no, to you're not voice. that bad. Uh, no, don't. Do not. <laughs> Every time Jathan talks in his baby voice, and just replace it with, like, a cow mooing or something. <laughs> <laughs> we need to not release that upon the world. Once they listen to later, they're like, oh, that's why he was mooing. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I feel bad because I make Aaron do all this stupid shit. So, where were we? Oh, right, 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 right. So, with the SSL vulnerability... Wait a second, I don't get any creative liberties around here. You, d you do! Hold on, we're not even in discussion yet. I'm just expounding oh, upon I'm the new about, items. I'm talking about my baby no. talk. <laughs> the baby talk is stupid, that's why. That's your opinion. That could have made someone <laughs> no. say, and now you just fucked no, it up. No, I don't think it would have. With the SSL vulnerability, it's really kind of overhyped. Um, but it's an SSL vulnerability, so of course it's going to get like a lot of popularity and all that, because it's the hot new shit now that everybody's trying to jump onto, because ever since... Uh, what was the first big one? Heartbleed? I think there... Heartbleed was the first one, and then Ghost? No, Ghost there were was... so many in like the last Ghost year. Ghost was glibc, so that was, that was different, but... Poodle and oh, Poodle right. and Freak. We're just yeah, Poodle and Freak yeah. were the other big ones for SSL. But yeah, they were like right after Heartbleed. Uh, but Heartbleed was the big one. So like, I feel like ever since that happened, everybody's been just like really digging into the SSL open SSL code and like finding whatever they can. Whatever. The point is disable SSL v2 because it's outdated and you shouldn't be using it anyways. But it's what makes this attack possible. It's called the Drown attack. I forget what it stands for because it's stupid. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll link to it. Whatever. But it's another one of those stupid named vulnerabilities instead of just giving a cbe because they had to be cool or whatever <laughs> i think it's the most stupid thing in the world but yeah there is a test for it yeah though. there's a test it doesn't work <laughs> it doesn't work as well as it should work um, yeah we yeah. ran the test on some of our systems and i mean and by we i mean sysadmins trivia and it was it was inconclusive in a lot of different ways i think you even tried to build it and it failed because it needed different libraries well it's it's python so it didn't read need to be built but i had the the modules installed but it wasn't <clears throat> detecting them and then i'm like all right maybe i'll try like a, a pip local install like to my user still wouldn't detect them so so, so <laughs> this is what it stands for it stands for decrypting rsa with obsolete and weakened encryption <laughs> so they did that stupid thing where they took the second letter in encryption and made that yeah the, it should be drow not <laughs> one of the a, stupid stupid like contrived acronyms it's like they thought of the acronym first and then tried to fit into the... But yeah, anyways, it's, it's just basically a normal man in the middle. It's not as serious as Heartbreed, Heartbreed, Heartbleed, where they can like actually steal your private keys or something. It's it's just a man in the middle weakness. Disable SSL V2, it's ages old, and you don't need to support it. <sighs> Alright, let's, let's fucking talk about more interesting stuff. Cause I'm... Yeah, let's... Really quick, I've got like two things I wanted to really quickly mention, because I always forget about them, and... If I talk about it on the show, it'll help me remember. So it's it's totally non-altruistic of me, but fuck it, it's my show. So the we, we've talked about SystemD on the show more than once, probably multiple times. One of the, the biggest things people hate about it is how hard it is to manage the logs, the logging system, which is the journal. It's a binary system. I bumped into an arch thread, and, you know, we'll link it on the show notes so you can read the whole thing because it's, it's really useful. It turns out you can concatenate the journal files without, you know, cat dev zeroing them. Systemd, or really journal control, uh, has a built-in mechanism for doing that. And it's a lot more sane, and it's not going to cause that kind of weird temporary corruption you see in your log files, where it's like, oh, not enough uh, events have been gathered. To... It'll, it'll not succumb to that. 
So I'll, I'll put the command in there just so you can see, visually see it and copy paste it or whatever. It's, it's great. I've been using it everywhere now and, and trimming up my logs. So there's that. And then there's also LFTP. And I found this, I think I found this last year near the, maybe November, I think. And I, I talked about it for like a hot minute in our IRC channel. It's the, it's the coolest fucking thing. Have either of you used it when I was ranting about it? I'm reading about it right now. I, I didn't even see you ranting about it. I must have missed that. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes you're not paying attention to the channel. <laughs> I'm sorry for having a life outside. No, no, no. Unlike you, I actually read the backlog if, when I come back from being away, though. So. Oh, I only do if I'm highlighted or something. Yeah, I don't usually just would. go back and read it. <laughs> of course. Oh, I'm looking at it, and it oh. looks beautiful. Isn't like, it great? It looks parallel transfer file transfers. What I love about it is so it's like... It's like curl, right? It, it's a regular like HTTP, HTTPS, whatever fetcher, but it uses an, like an FTP-like interface. If you're on a site and you don't want to have to like get a file listing just to find the file you want, you can LFTP host, HTTP colon slash slash host, and do an LS. You know, it, you can do regular FTP commands, except maybe like put and stuff because it's HTTP. Um, so maybe you can do it with post, but whatever. Uh, the point is, like, you can get, like, a directory listing and all sorts of really handy stuff that I've always wanted. I was like, man, I love curl. I love wget. If only I didn't have to spider the site to, to find what I'm looking for, to find out the, the hierarchy before I fetch what I'm trying to fetch. LFTP, like, you can just lscd around the uh, served directories. It's really cool. It's so great. Jathan, you need to... You need to start using that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I, uh, I have something specific in mind that I'd like to test it with specifically. So What's that? We have a lot of users that download like reference genomes and stuff like that from NCBI. I think I might have showed it to you mm -hmm. before. And uh, it's like all these directories, but it's almost entirely symlinks. So like you have a path to something, but realistically, it's not actually there. Um, the actual organization without those symlinks makes zero sense to me. So what you end up having to do usually to find, like, one file is to use wget with the follow symlinks option. Mm -hmm. But you end up pulling so much more data than you actually need because you don't know what you actually need or, like, how yeah. to find it. Well, um, you, could, so, you, probably, you, know, you could probably also use wget's... I forget what... I think it's no parents. I, I might be thinking of CP, but there's a, there's a flag that lets you not fetch above, just below where you're at. So. Just below? That's interesting. I'd have to look it up in the main page, but so, it's there. So if you're doing that with a symlink, though, is it below the actual location, or? Well, it depends where it symlinks to. Or, it... yeah, okay. So if it sim, if it starts with like a dot dot slash, it won't follow it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I yeah, I, I, don't I know use if that, that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it might. I use that a lot when I'm mirror when I want to mirror like a specific directory, like uh, FTP or HTTP, because I I don't want to get the entire site, which wget usually is very happy to do when you use it in mirror mode. I don't want that. So I, I usually just try, I want to grab everything in a directory and below. So I think you can also specify like how many levels, like how many depths of recursion you want to go. But that's neither here nor there. WCAT's powerful. Look it up. I prefer curl these days just because it's easier to get information about the actual transaction. But, you know, use whatever works. Um, I like curl as well. Curl's, in my opinion, is, is just better. It's yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's much more verbose and it does what you need to do without BS. Mm -hmm. So for sure. 
So next we're going to talk about passwords. I don't think we actually ever talked about passwords on this show before. <clears throat> Other than to say, like, make a strong password. Did we ever really go into how to make a good strong password? Well, that's interesting that we talk about that because XKCD, of course, did a very fantastic post about their password. Um, we should actually link to that in the show notes because they make a, a point that you know, having a long, obscure password isn't always beneficial to security. Mm. As we all know, you know, something you know, something you have, etc. I mean, it's, you know, if your password is 8 million characters long with different symbols and different things, you're going to write it down somewhere and put it under your keyboard or the back of your monitor or something, and that's just not security, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so, first of all, I have a, a kind of a humorous story. So for my passwords, I have started, or many years ago, like middle school, I started sort of a story in my head, like completely made up. And um, every time I need a new password, I I invent a new character in the story, and some aspect of them goes into my password, and that's how I remember it. I kid you not. Okay. But what's more humorous... That's actually very interesting. um, What's more humorous... Well, I've never forgotten it, so that's good. What's more humorous is last week, actually, it was just last week... I changed my password for everything except at work because I was mm. like, well, I don't want to change it now in case something happens and it's the middle of the night and whatever. Like, I don't want to mess with it. And, of course, we use Active Directory for everything, so it's like, who knows what could possibly go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So I get to work the next morning, and I'm about to head to class for an hour, so I'm like, oh, this is a good time. If there's any any time that it takes to ripple through the system, so to speak, I'm going to be gone for an hour. So I changed my password everywhere already. I get to work. Type in my new password. Doesn't meet the requirements. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be using the same password everywhere, Japon. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. Well, I don't everywhere. It's a very distinct set of places. But What uh, What kind of story is it? Is it like a sci-fi story? Well, I feel like if I tell you what kind of story it is, it might give it away. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's a fantasy. It's ladies a- and gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> let me... We, Jathan has just demonstrated... How you defeat yeah. a social engineering attack. Can we give him a bit of applause? Can we give him a little clap? He saw right through that. So that's that was actually me trying to social that was me actually trying to, to catch him, but you did a good job, man. Kudos. Well, I can tell you what my old story used to be because I have a new one if you're really interested. Don't don't tell us if it's too similar. <clears throat> no, but, it's extremely sure. different. Okay. The old one was about dinosaurs. Okay. 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 That's all, all I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. What was the point of mentioning that? Well, oh, you gosh. wanted to know, and I, I thwarted your attempt at finding well, out. I didn't, but then I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want. I wanted to know because I was trying to to show how social engineering is done. But but you uh, expected me to actually just blurt out. I no, totally no, did because that's kind of know. what you do. Yeah, I'm not an idiot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh gosh! All right, I'm gonna move on. So with with passwords, I actually don't like the XKCD method, and I'll tell you why. It's yeah, like cryptographically, it does make some for some pretty good entropy, um, but not the best. And and here's why: usually when people do that, they they don't uh, follow the rule of don't make the words related. In in the XKCD example, I call it the XKCD method, but it's been your your. Wub wubbing again, Jathan. Um, so in the XKCD, in the XKCD example, um, I what is it? Correct horse battery stapler. It's correct horse battery staple. Yep. Yeah. 
yeah, those are totally random words. Most people go like uh, birthday, ice cream, cake, hat, or something. You know, like it, they tend to be related because they're lazy when they come up with these these supposedly secure passwords. Correct. So then that opens up you up to like a relational attack, where it'd be pretty easy to build a uh, a, 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 a basically a dictionary, perform a dictionary attack using relational words. Uh, we're at the point now where where we can build relational word databases pretty easily um, and automatically. So, okay, so let's use totally random words like correct horse battery stable, for instance. Um, that still opens you up to like a, a a matrixed dictionary attack. Basically, it's the same as brute forcing. Only now instead of characters, you're you're just using words. So I don't like it as much. You wanna you wanna make sure you pick strings that aren't going to be found in English or in your native language. Preferably, they should be words in a language you don't know or not even actual words. If you if you're able to to do like non-UTF input on your keyboard, that'd be even better. Uh, but most uh, most password inputs don't accept that as valid input, so you might have some trouble with that. But yeah, I, I, th that's why I don't like it. Uh, there's already been several experiments in cracking these type of XKCD quote-unquote passwords with uh, OCL Hashcat, which, by the way, is freaking awesome. Um, between OCL Hashcat and John, if you can't crack it between the... John and PI... If you can't crack it between those two, it's not getting cracked. But especially OCL Hashcat, it's it's a beautiful piece of software. Kudos to the people who wrote it. Well, that, well, now that's that's interesting because I'm curious to hear your opinion on the um, the actual. You know, do you use something that holds your passwords? Oh, like or a password you, manager? Yeah. the The problem is picking the right one. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, we. Absolutely. I, I shared in our IRC channel today, <clears throat> one password, the number one password, the, the, the password manager, uh, was found to have a, be transporting passwords over the loopback interface in plain text, um, <laughs> which is, I understand, like, doing the automatic input of passwords, the automatic, automatically, like, once you unlock your, your, your password safe uh, you know, having it automatically put passwords in for you is, is convenient, but you should know very well what we say about convenience at this point and how it relates to security. The real way to do it, if you ask me, is... well, And this is why I like Pass. You know, the I've linked to it in the show before, but I'll do it again. It's a GPG-encrypted plain text file. It doesn't store it at plain text, and it doesn't even create a... When you unlock it, it doesn't create any sort of plain text temporary file or anything like that. That's good. Yeah, so it's, it's fully GPG encrypted, which is some really great encryption, provided you set your, your key strong enough and, and your default encryption strong enough and things like that. But it has some really, really strong protection. It doesn't do bullshit over the local host. It's all terminal, standard in, standard out. It never, ever leaves your computer unless you send the password safe intentionally. In other words, a lot of these quote-unquote cloud password managers are even worse than 1Password. Well, uh... Is that really a surprise, or, like, did you have to <laughs> say that? I used LastPass for a long time because I, you know, I felt like it was pretty secure, and of course they got hacked, and I was yeah. like, yeah, of course, it's, you know, yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Like, the good news is, like, yeah, your, your passwords are probably safe for now. They're probably being cracked as we speak if they haven't been cracked already. 
So I hope you changed it after the compromise. But my point is, oh, yeah. why you don't want to open yourself up to that possibility in the first place. Just save yourself the headache. And stop being lazy. Stop using a password manager that inserts the passwords for you. How hard is it really to unlock your safe, print out the password, copy it, and paste it? You know, like, it's an extra two seconds, but instantly you're not open to these sort of attacks that one password is now being criticized for. Anyways, so, yeah, so you want to use a different password everywhere. I like to generate completely random ones with uh, PWGen. It's it's beautiful. Beautiful piece of software. Really simple and small, but it lets you specify, like, just, uh, you know, A through Z, 0 to 9, which is good for MySQL, because trying to escape MySQL passwords on the MySQL shell is just a pain in the ass. You know, if they have special characters in them. Or you can also add a flag that will add totally bizarre symbols you know it'll add symbols to the to the password i usually use 32 character length and i don't mind telling you that because that's <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna crack that in any time soon 32 32 character length completely random passwords or pseudo random i guess since it's using a pseudo random ge- number generator i don't think i have a hardware number generator on any of my systems that's you can't crack that i'm not going to say it's never going to be cracked but the hardware we have accessible to us now is you know it, it, it's perfectly safe yeah i just ran it and i love it the, yeah the, the characters are, are fantastic um i actually have a pretty funny anecdote about passwords i had to I was creating an account somewhere, and I don't remember where it was, but it said it had a minimum password of eight characters. It required an uppercase. It required, uh, of course, lowercase, and it required a number and a special character. So I type in. That's fairly, fairly standard. Fairly standard. So I type mm-hmm. in my, I, I, type, I type in a password with an uppercase character, and I hit enter, and it says, "Error. Do not use an uppercase pass, uh, uppercase character in this password." <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Like, I mean, you just told me, I, I, I wish I could remember the website because I would love to laugh at it with everyone around here yeah. because it's just, it's mind bogglingly like what? And then we can all send them angry emails. Oh, I would love to do that. Well, that's, so if you've never cracked passwords, I definitely recommend you get into it. And, um, I think in the show notes in a past episode, I linked to creating your own cracking rig, which is a really cool project. If you have money to blow, not many of us do, but. It's a really cool thing to build yourself. So with normal <laughs> consumer hardware, what are you laughing at? I'm, I'm laughing at the, the pounding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, j yeah. It's, it's Stop typing, j uh, Knock it off. Sorry. Normally, alphanumeric eight-character passwords can usually be cracked within the day. Usually it's like a couple hours tops. If no thought was put into it, a couple minutes. And this is like bare minimum, like 386 power you know if you've got a more powerful beast and you can throw a couple cores at it minutes to seconds usually seconds however with each each character you add it gets not it doesn't add time it exponentializes the time it takes to crack so usually you're pretty safe with a 12 character password that's totally random no dictionary words or anything like that just and that's usually easy enough to remember I would, if you really want the bare minimum, I would say increase that to 16 because the hardware's gotten a lot better since I have read the reports on that and, and the numbers. So hardware's gotten a lot more powerful these days and people are building cracking clusters and things like that. So I would go with 16. If you have a password manager, a password safety you can trust, kick it up to 32 totally random because why the hell not, you know? Uh, if it'll take... My, my, my big thing is when sites 
Uh, yeah, when they put stupid, like, restrictions on what characters you can use. You know what's the stupidest? What's that? Is fucking banks. Yeah. Require you to have the shortest yeah, passwords they're, ever. They're, they're Why? terrible. Why? Like, well, what is but, the point well, of that? Which bank was it? It was, I think it was TD Bank or someone other. It didn't matter the length you put. It would, it would cut down. So if you had, like, a 12-digit password, it would cut it down to eight. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just use the first eight. And so you would never really know if you were right or not. Mm-hmm. And it would still use it anyway. And it's like, whoa, So you just you just you need know. the first eight characters of the raw input. Yeah. Uh, and VNCs like that, too. You can set a password for... Some VNC server software will, will let you set a, a password longer than eight characters. But it'll only read the, the first eight. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and that's why VNC is considered insecure, even if it's encrypted. But that's another... That's a whole other show. And I would love to talk about that. Were you just cringing the other night when I was talking about using VNC? No, I don't... I think I missed that, actually. Anyways, so the, the, the thing I have a big pet peeve about is when sites limit the number of characters for your password. Yeah. Like, no password longer than 16 characters. That's fucking stupid. That's... That's... Why? Why would you do that? First of all, why aren't you grabbing a a hash and salting that for your database? Because that tells me if there's a password length limit, that tells me you're storing the actual password in plain text. And you don't want to exceed the... The the length allotment for that... That column. Why would you do that? Why? It's 2016. Salted hashes are a thing. You know that, right? Like, you, you know you don't need to sort of the password? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to give myself a heart attack. <laughs> like, within the, the next year, well, this show it, it is, is going to be the death seriously, like, it is utterly ridiculous. Like, especially banks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what bothers me the most. Not that it's a, a you know, an eight-character And healthcare limit. portals, It's a too. fucking yeah. bank. Healthcare portals are, are guilty of that as well. Gosh. Yeah, running on, like, ask.net and all the sorts of messy bullshit. Yeah. No, it's it's a mess everywhere. So I think the thing we could take from this is that if you're going to set up a password requirement, mm-hmm. please don't be stupid with it. Allow 120 characters, whatever. Don't put a minimum limit. Well, I would say a minimum limit, but yeah. don't put a max limit. And, you know, if you're going to have a policy where you require a capital letter, then by all means, don't have a policy <laughs> preventing not allowing a capital letter. Yeah. Yeah, and and there are like there's JavaScript methods now where you can hash it client side, and you really should be doing that. So it there there shouldn't yes. be any yeah, real yeah. reason. At yes. that point, you're not even sending the yeah. password. Well, was it which is was it, what was the program that was saving passwords in plain text and like uh, in uh, um, the 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 users directory? Wasn't there a, wasn't there a Firefox? Firefox Firefox? used to that years ago. They 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 fixed it, you know, a lot of years ago, but they very first used to do that. And I think if you don't use a master password, it might still do that. I'm not sure, but I know Firefox used to do that. But we're talking like Firefox 2. So, and they're up to like what, like version 50 now? I actually had a gentleman tell me that he thought that Firefox was the most insecure browser of the 3 or 4 or 5 or Whatever it is up to now. And, it has and, its problems, but documented vulnerabilities is like... Safari definitely beats all of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, IE is a very close second. Um, Chrome's had a couple, but it's it's pretty new. Firefox has had a chair. I'll, I'll definitely grant it that, but like it's, it's... Sure. A lot of them have been Flash-related, and we all know the problems with Flash at this point, I would hope. Thank God it's going Yeah. Away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyways... Not fast enough. To close this this little segment out, thanks to Kyle and our IRC, Kyle Yankin, that's his nick. 
he suggested we call this episode Hunter 2, and I'm going to do that. And <laughs> if you don't know why, we'll we'll link to the actual primary source. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you put that in the, the topics yeah. list? Yeah, I put, yeah, it's in there. Oh, God, I didn't see that. I just That's added it before we started, because I didn't want to forget. That's such a great reference. Isn't it? It, it is a great yeah. reference. So Perfect I'll, perfect social engineering. I'll put the primary source in the show notes so you can read it for yourself, because it's hilarious. But basically, it's, it's one of the most hilarious and very short social engineering attacks over IRC I've ever seen. It's it's so funny. But I think we'll immortalize this guy's password forever by naming our uh, our episode Hunter 2. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I think he's already pretty famous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a typo. Next, um, I have wine revisited. I meant to type revisited, but it, it I guess it came out revisited. So I... I was thinking, like, how many people know what wine is? Because I was talking with uh, an InfoSec guy on Twitter today, and he confused wine with Sigwin, which is an understandable mistake. They they do basically the same thing, but vice versa. You know, wine is for running Linux or uh, Windows apps in Linux or Unix, whatever. And then Sigwin is for running a Linux-type system like GNU Core Utils and stuff inside Windows. So he, he got them flipped around. They're both horrible, in my opinion, but... I have here, like, I was like, how can I describe what wine is to someone who's ne- who would not know what wine is uh, and has no technical background? And I came up with wine is like that rich asshole uncle. You can't bear him most of the time, and it's totally insufferable when he tries to relate with you. So you try and avoid him as much as possible, but he still can, you know, and it, somehow he always gives, like, the largest grossing income birthday cards. Like, you know, birthday <laughs> cards with money uh, when you need it the most. So wine's like that. Like, you don't want wine... You really don't want to have to deal with it. It's messy. It's un- super annoying, and it just gets on your nerves. But it's great to have it when you need it. I feel like I, I interrupted Peyton. What were you going to say? Uh, wine is not an emulator. Right. Yeah. That, well, here's the thing. So it started out with that acronym, but now they're like, oh, you know what? We're not going to use the acronym anywhere. We're just going to call ourselves wine. And I'll, yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, I, and it's I stupid. Use it. I'm like, the name is great. First of all, it's recursive, and we all we all love our recursive acronyms. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, it like perfectly describes what you are. You're not an emulator. You're a compatibility library, and they're they're different. Yeah, it's basically a set of libraries that run in Linux but can read Windows executables and things like that. It's perfect. I use it every day. I can't. It works very well. I don't think anyone would ever say that it's perfect. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Okay, okay. I was like, your sarcasm's way too convincing. Yeah, it's it's not without its problems, for sure. But luckily, there's a lot of things that fix a lot of those problems you're experiencing. So I thought we'd we'd talk about some of the the tweaks I found uh, that make mine a little bit more friendly to use uh, and less headachey tear your hair out kind of <laughs> so the first one i found is and i don't know about you guys but this is this is the one that bugs me the most this is why i just hate even installing wine because once you do it it's game over with this wine will like take over your file associations oh god! yeah yes. yeah so after you run wine for the first time it sets up all these bullshit associations so you end up using their bundled notepad.exe and it looks just like when you know like windows notepad for files with an unrecognized file type you know so like no file extension and it doesn't and let's say gnome doesn't know to use gedit for those kind of files normally you just like click on a config file and have it open up it's like all right great uh now they open up a notepad.exe which is infuriating what's even worse is open is when you click on an image and it opens it in internet explorer yeah 
<laughs> yeah. It's even better. Uh, obviously, I was being sarcastic when I said it was perfect. Um, <laughs> it, it, it works, and it works-ish yeah. after you make it the way it needs to be. Um, it, it does It does do a very good job running Windows XEs and mm-hmm. Linux. Again, I mean, it requires some configuration. If you're using Linux, obviously you don't need that. If you're mm-hmm. a sysadmin, I mean, not that you don't need it. You should be, you already are aware that something needs configuration and you're not going to run it out of the box. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have some links that fix that. So they not only remove the existing associations, but they prevent them from being recreated. The downside of that is you still have to, Jathan, oh my gosh, with the typing. That's not me. Hayden, oh my it gosh, with too, the typing. It is to you. I wasn't. T- no, I swear. That I was. That was not me, dude. I, I I can't even access my keyboard right now. This is Aaron Kitso, the editor and typing police. Let the record show that both Payton and Jathan were typing. If I just heard it, how would it be me? Uh, you have loopback in your headphones. Yeah. No, <laughs> dude, that was not me typing on a keyboard. If it happens again. Okay. I'm just going to mute Jathan and see if it goes away. So, yeah, so the downside of that is you do have to run Wine for the, at least the first time. And then you get all these horrible association stuff. But then you can clean it right up and prevent it from recreating. The important thing is to do both. Because if you don't set the uh, internal setting in Wine to not recreate them, it'll recreate it every time you run Wine. So every time you try and install Windows software, every time you try and run an already installed Windows software in Wine, everything. It's just yeah. horrible. Um, it's worth just taking the four minutes out of yeah, your life. Yeah, it, it seriously takes four minutes or less. Uh, it's editing, like, two files, and that's it. Uh, so worth it. And, like, deleting everything in a directory, and you're done. It's really simple. <laughs> it's, it's totally worth it. Uh, another trick is you can run, like, Wine... So Wine bundles their own version of, so- of Windows software that you may be used to. One is Notepad.exe, which we talked about. Another one is uh, like RegEdit. Like a does anyone remember Reg- RegEdit? I don't think that's still a thing in Windows. It it is probably it is. It, it, is. Yeah. it still is coming from the Windows world. Uh, just a just a last year. Mm. Yes, it is still a thing. Yes, it is still. Oh my god. The, reg- the registry is still. It 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 just makes me want to go. What. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I usually run like something called CCleaner, mm-hmm. or I run uh, Revo Uninstaller, and Revo will go in and it will actually remove registry entries. And some of the stuff that I've seen it pull out, I'm just like, why does, <laughs> why does this program need 800 different hooks into 800 different things? Yeah. You know, why does HP need to have uh, a registry entry in in practically every entry? Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. You know. Yeah. So yeah, the registry is still a thing, and yes, it's still terrible. Like, it, why? I why would you have? It's just a stupid ass way to manage uh, shit. But yeah. why would you have like yeah? Why would you have a binary configuration? And this is coming from a guy who loves System D. Why would you have a binary configuration system? I would I don't love know. to ask Microsoft that question. I don't know. I, Whatever. I really would. What's better is when you actually want to edit it, and you have to figure out what it actually wants you to say. Oh, like the key name? I mean, you can't just you you can't just turn things on or off. Right. You have to know the exact syntax, but it's not it's not uniform. I mean. Yeah. And uh, to be fair, like there's um there's a similar thing for for Linux. The difference there is it's not binary driven. Yeah, you can interact with it with different binaries, but it's still not 
binary driven. It's a uh, oh, what? Gconf, Gconf, and Dconf. Gconf. Yeah. yeah. I th- first was I think Dconf, and then it reiterated into Gconf or something like that. Yeah, you can use binary tools, and it's really handy in that sense. But guess what? It's flat file driven. You can actually see like what files it points to and everything. It's great, uh, and you can open them with a regular text editor. I wouldn't recommend it because there's like a separate file for each setting. You know, it's it's at least done smarter. Whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Anyways, where I was going with that is there's like a bunch of native wine apps meant to emulate Windows system internal apps, uh, and one of them is command.exe. So there's like a native command.exe and a like a console, so you can do wine console cmd, and you get like a wine command.exe, which is great if you run like. And I'm I'm showing my age here, but uh, I had a Unreal ninety nine, like Unreal Gold, the first one. Oh wow, really? Yeah, like before Unreal Tournament was a thing. This is Unreal Tournament was supposed to be like the quote unquote sequel to this game. So Unreal Gold. I ran a co-op single server in Linux, uh, and this was before like the native port really worked well. There's there's like a, a native port that the community made afterwards, but this was before that. So I, I ran it in Wine in screen using Wine console. Worked pretty well, you know? I think there was only one glitch, and that's if you try and save a co-op game, like with the save menu on, on a client mm-hmm. that has admin privileges. That's the one thing I found that could crash it, but everything else, it handled beautifully, so I was that's- like... That's I was awesome really impressed by that. Most older things tend to work better. Yeah, older wine. things tend to work great in I mean, wine. Most. There's also a really nice utility, WineHQ, which will tell you how people have tested certain wine mm-hmm. apps or certain things in wine. Uh, yeah, the most yeah. Highest, the highest rated yeah, app I, in wine is Final Fantasy XIV. Don't ask me why. Oh, really? Wow, I, I'm out of touch. It used to be It used to be WoW. Yeah, WoW, is, WoW mm. isn't uh, the highest rated anymore. Well, they have a, a rating system where things are either platinum or gold or silver or whatever, right? Yeah, and WoW is or wow copper is or bronze. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or wow trash. There's like a there's a total yeah. trash. Garbage, garbage. So that means yeah. So the yeah garbage yeah. So gold means it runs pretty well. Like it's possible to run into bugs, but you're not likely to. Platinum is like we we have tried breaking this and we can't. It's better than Windows. <laughs> but gold's gold's usually. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. That's what platinum basically means. You you find a couple platinum ones. So yeah, appdb.winehq.com. Of course, I'll link to it in the show notes. I always do. But that's where you're gonna look up the programs for compatibility. And a lot of people break it down to like major version releases too, so you can know if your particular versions how well that runs. And by distro um, as well. Yeah, and by distro. Uh, usually, um, you'll you'll see if a test was done a certain distro. But nine times out of ten, as long as the wine version is newer or equal to the version tested with you can trust those results so running arch i don't really run into any problems so there's also wine tricks and if you want to run a game under wine like a a windows game i guess video graphics heavy kind of stuff or like internal system heavy or network system heavy kind of windows applications you're gonna want to use wine tricks it handle it like does some library detections and will install in your wine container any missing dependencies you might have. It's it greatly increases the compatibility. All sorts of really handy stuff. Learn wine tricks, use wine tricks. It's really easy. It's it's a GUI program, so you don't have an excuse. If that for whatever reason doesn't work and you have a Windows install, you can copy over the the Windows libraries and tell Wine to use the native Windows libraries instead of its own. 
So that tends to make things more compatible. Well, there's there's another utility you can you can run that's similar to Wine. It's Play on Linux, and uh, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, it allows you to actually it actually allows you to have multiple Wine instances, which some applications uh, work better with certain versions of Wine. Um, so if you're thinking about using mm-hmm. something, I would definitely reference or research at least Play on Linux. It can help you with a lot of different things. Yeah. Some wait, is it? pinned to a specific version of wine because i seem to remember like it actually ships with its own version of wine it, sh- it ships with its own version you can have another version installed in a, a container so to speak a bottle yeah is yeah. that cute wine calls them bottles yeah i don't like play on linux because i usually just create my own bottles by hand and usually the version i have system-wide of wine is is fine but yeah I, I have used it in the past it's also neat in that it has uh like predefined templates for a lot of stuff you want to install. So you're like, yeah, I want to install Diablo 2. Checkmark Diablo 2. Done. Run. And it'll install the, all the necessary dependencies and all the libraries and stuff. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's I its I feel only, like that hasn't been as much of a... I feel like that's its only really... It's true benefit is that it has stuff already enabled and yeah. just click it and go. Yeah, you don't need to like figure out, like, all right, what library am I saying now? Or look for like a forum post somewhere. It, it, the downside is usually it doesn't have a template for what I want to install. So there's that. I'm I'm done talking about it. I went through all the all the stuff I added for the for the yeah, no, show I'm... notes. Does anyone else have anything to say about wine? It's been a long time since I've used wine, so I think the last time I would have was probably when I used to play World of Warcraft. The the brief period I played World of Warcraft where my friends dragged me into it. I, I used it with with wine, and I think that might have been the last time I seriously used it. So Don't act like you didn't love it. No, I hated it. It's not my I, thing. I, it's such a great game. I played for, te- I played for 10 years. That's where I met my wife, mm-hmm. and it will always have a, a place that I can go back to, but it's not it's not what it used to be for me, really. So, Well, the game I, isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've never... I've never been able to get into anything more than, like, shooters. That's just, it's how I play. I don't know. Too slow. <laughs> Can't keep my attention, <laughs> I guess. So then last on our uh, our topic list for tonight, what I'm calling acoustic keyloggers, just because I love the phrasing of it. Paid in last week, I think it was? When did you when did you send that G-talk to me? I, I think G- it was last Google week. Google chat or Google talk or whatever it was. I, I, yeah. I think it was last week. Um, he showed me this article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He showed me this article on Vice.com. About how "quote unquote" hackers—I like to call them security researchers—but I guess they're hackers. Uh, how they stole crypto keys from a laptop that's offline and in another room. And basically, what it comes down to is that they used frequency vibrations, right? So everything using power, getting power, pushing out power, whatever, puts off a certain frequency, right? Basically, there's a way you can use that to get information about stuff that's using that power i guess is the best way to put that so they they look through it they it's hard to explain so i'm just going to link to the original article but i i told him like oh yeah like that's that's nothing new we've 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 been doing stuff like that since the early 70s and then he was like really and i was like yeah have you ever heard of tempest so i sent him the white paper on it it's an nsa white paper so if you're paranoid uh maybe turn your proxy on before visiting the site and downloading the white paper but it's, it's publicly available, written and published, I think, in 1972. It's very old. I forgot what the acronym, acronym stands for. But basically, Tempest was you could use uh, emanations from, like, a monitor, pick them up, and then recreate them in, at another location. So 
it was a big deal and people were like losing their shit about this but it was the nsa and at that point like they weren't so i hesitate to use the word but evil but they were still pretty covert you know so they were like shit we gotta this is really funny what uh, what, just reading through the wikipedia article oh yeah 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 um that's hilarious so they were well, like all right we kind of <clears throat> gotta keep this under wraps well one of the things about it though is that it, it requires you to really you have to the keyboard can't move first of all like if it moves they're gonna have to keep mm-hmm. resetting how how it it detects it so i mean you know it's not like you can set it up on like a thing that bounces and moves up and down i could just see like a mission impossible movie where <laughs> the guy's keyboard is on a thing and it moves up and down and they have to like hack it with i i, I could just see it now but, you know, you know, if your keyboard is in one spot and they set this equipment up and it costs a lot of money for this equipment, it's like $3,000 for all of it. It's all lab equipment. And, mm. and, you know, if the keyboard is not moving and they, they attenuate it just right, yes, they can do this. Now, to be fair, you say $3,000 is a lot of money, but depending what you could possibly gain access to, yeah. maybe not. Yeah, and that's the and important thing. And sure. the other thing is, you know, you're talking about a keyboard moving. Realistically, if you went to a coworker's desk before they got to work and you taped their keyboard to their desk, would they notice? No, they wouldn't. No. I, I would. Most people, most people aren't moving their keyboards, but... Yeah, I actually push my keyboard back at the end of the day, so I would definitely notice, but... Oh, I, I move it uh, I move it all around when I'm working because I always change I change positions a lot. Sit a lot. So, like, I my back starts to hurt, so I'll just move my body to an angle and move it around then. Yeah, so I, I would notice, but the even more important than that, though, is, like... So you can you can use actual acoustics like the sounds of keys and this is how um, I think this is how the one paid and linked me to uh, like you can actually use the sound of fingers hitting keys and map out like triangulate where the fingers are on the keys and you can mm-hmm. use that to basically you can use uh, display emanation like ra- display radiation like what Tempest does and kind of recreate the visual output. There was a GPG, an attack someone did on GPG, not GPG specifically, but the cryptographic functions where they could measure the, like the fluctuating frequency output of the CPU. And of no course, way. I guess there's, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> it's yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll link it there. Uh, Jathan, I think that is the, the Ars Technica one in this section. Yeah, I have a lot of links open. I'm going it's the that. second to last one. You could do that. <laughs> And they did that with sort of like a high-powered, specialized microphone, basically, uh, to do kind of the same thing. Really sensitive equipment. But yeah, like, they could kind of get... It, and it was impressive. It was like maybe 60 or 70% of the key, something like that, of uh, the key generation using this method. Uh, I think it has since been patched in GPG for the key generation, but I'm, I'm not sure. It's really hard to patch that kind of stuff, because that's very hardware-dependent. Yeah, oh, and this even goes back to, like, the the 60s, I think, with Van Eck freaking. So when freaking yeah. was... P-H-R-E-A-K. So when freaking was still a thing, um, when people cared about phone lines instead of uh, internet lines, you could detect the frequency modulate... Like, the frequency uh, changes in a telephone line and get information about the actual... Uh, conversation or or transmission in that line from that which is why i thought it was hilarious that jathan mentioned early way at the beginning of the show that may have been pre-meeting i, I can't remember I, that was pre-meeting uh he talked about how uh the wub wub wubs uh and anyone who's listened to the <laughs> show 
has known that <laughs> we Jathan's mic sometimes makes some really weird noises that sound kind of like a muted dubstep. Uh, he was like, yeah, I think it's because my microphone cord's crossing my power cable. Yeah, <laughs> it sounded like that. He's like, I think it's because my microphone cord is crossing my cable. And lo and behold, that's a, that's a prime example of kind of what of how Vanek freaking works. So you may have the strongest password in the world. You may have totally air-gapped system. But you're still vulnerable. Granted, these attacks are very expensive. Not just in hardware, because I think, like, the uh, the acoustic attack, I think, could get by pretty well. You can make, like, laser microphones, which are incredibly accurate and pick up very small sounds. And they're pretty cheap. You can build your own. So, like, for some of the attacks, it's not really that monetarily expensive. But the amount of effort that goes into them is so super incredible like you need to really know what you're doing i don't think i could ever do it i would love to try but i don't think i could ever do it myself keep in mind that you know uh while these attacks are incredibly expensive you're not invulnerable i i've tried thinking of coming like taking up some uh negate some negations to this like protections against it and i could only come up with a couple and the problem is there's so many different attacks that use the same basic like side channel kind of i thought of maybe using a faraday cage around the equipment around the target equipment. <laughs> you uh, just sit in one all the time. But then that doesn't protect you from, like, the actual acoustic attacks. You could jam it with junk radio frequencies on the same frequency level to try and mask the actual data. And if you have access... It, like, if you're trying to protect the target machine, you probably have a better luck with this because you'll know what frequency patterns are going to be emerging. So you can try and modulate around that and stuff like that. Use lead... <laughs> <laughs> just encase the room in lead i guess uh and like sound dampening foam pads on the walls or i guess uh it'd be a lot harder with like one of those virtual keyboards like projection distance measuring kind of stuff so there's a couple things you can do but it's kind of ludicrous to, at this point because like the attacks are still pretty expensive they're not really worth it yet got to be in a fairly close physical distance you know, but it's still something to keep in mind. And I, I just was mostly trying to have fun with trying to come up with pr protections against those attacks. Um, if you have any ideas yourself as to how one might thwart these attacks, we'd love to hear them. And the more ridiculous they are, the better, of course. I fully intend to wrap my whole desk area in tinfoil and start start a white noise generator. And I'm going to just generate some RF traffic. And that'll, that'll really annoy people who might forget to see me. <laughs> <laughs> well it's not have to be white noise it could be uh just like metal <laughs> you know i can scratch my finger it's not a keyboard or not a, not a chalkboard i mean not a keyboard. <laughs> there you go but the trick is you have to you have to make sure it's random enough to not be filtered out because like even when i edit our stuff i can filter background noise out you know no matter how loud it is i'm still left with the the source noise as long as i can isolate a part of that noise I can filter the rest out. And I'm definitely not any sort of audio engineer, so I can only imagine what the what the people who, who study this and engineer this are capable of. So, yeah, it's fun to think of solutions to that, but I wouldn't really worry too much about it. You're never going to be 100% secure. It's always about uh, being more secure. You know, the pursuit rather than the destination, I think. I mean, if you, if you really try to keep it ahead of you know if you, if you try to keep ahead of mm -hmm. as best you can things i mean obviously zero days are mm -hmm. almost impossible to really be 100 percent aware of you, you know try not to have stupid security mm -hmm. policies yeah 
<laughs> you know, I I think that you know if, if you're on top, if you try to stay on top of as much as you can, then you'll be in a better shape than someone who's reacting instead of being proactive. Yeah, yeah, proactive, not reactive. Multi-layered, tiered security is the way to go. Uh, so with that, I'm going to turn over to Jathan for our contest. Right. So uh, we're continuing the same contest as we have been. And we are still looking for submissions for t-shirt quotes from season zero, uh, which was our first season. At this point, how many submissions do we have? We have one. Still just one, which is the same as last episode. Damn it. (laughs) Listen to season zero. Find some quotes you like. Tweet at us. Direct message us. Facebook us. Join IRC. Throw paper airplanes. I don't really give a shit. But send us your submissions if you can, let us know who said it, because that's just fun for us. Um, in fact, the one submission we got, we had to go back and listen, because we didn't yeah. know who it was. Um, it's easier if you and let us know which if, episode. Yes, yeah. that as well. And if you win the contest, so the, the goal is, once we have lots of submissions, which um, apparently mm-hmm. we only have one, we need a lot. Once we have a lot of submissions, we're going to put a poll up. Everyone's going to get to vote on them. And if your submission wins for the best quote you will get a free piece of swag with that quote mm-hmm. on it. Yep. Uh, either a shirt or hoodie, your choice. And uh, I'll throw some stickers in because why not? At this rate, I've come up with... Oh, jeez. I don't know. Uh, I've got like maybe 16 picked out that I like. It's pretty easy. We're ridiculous. So we have a, we're pretty quotable. I don't know, 10 or 16 or whatever that I picked out. Obviously, I can't win the contest. If I guess if someone picks a quote that I, I find, n- there's no winner. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a race against time at this point so you really want to get those those suggestions in make sure you listen yeah and not to mention um no offense but the sooner that we actually get some submissions the sooner we can move on to a yeah contest. we've got a lot of ideas for really cool contests so get your asses in gear because i'm sick of listening to my own voice and jathan's voice i have to do it enough as is <laughs> and <laughs> oh my gosh when we went back and started listening, they were funny though they were so they fun, were fun yeah yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think I think it's time to close this out. What do you guys think? I think that's uh, that's about it. I think that's a wrap. Okay, cool. This has been Sis Administrivia. This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Peyton. <laughs> I love how every time you do the little rascals, and I'm Peyton. <laughs> all right, I'll see you all around. <laughs>